What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actor Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie The Two Popes. But first, let's talk about Leonardo DiCaprio. What I find most interesting about Leonardo DiCaprio is we all agree he's one of the greatest movie stars ever. But what we do disagree on is what movies make him great. There's a consensus of hits that Leo did that we all think are great. From What's Eating Gilbert Grape to Titanic to Romeo and Juliet to The Departed to Blood Diamond. But there are a few movies there where we have real disagreements about what the best Leonardo DiCaprio performances are. For instance, one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies is Catch Me If You Can, directed by Steven Spielberg alongside Tom Hanks. This is the definitive movie to me that shows Leonardo DiCaprio as a rising movie star. It's his best performance as a young man. It's also the one movie where I think he truly dominates every scene that he is in. I mean, other movies from Gangs in New York, there's Daniel Day-Lewis to The Departed, there's Matt Damon. To me, the one movie here that's full Leo all the time, I need him in the movie, I need him in every scene, is Catch Me If You Can. I mean, all the other movies that he's great in, there are other people around him being great. I think Catch Me If You Can is the definitive Leonardo DiCaprio being Leonardo DiCaprio level great. Then you have another movie that not a lot of people love, Revolutionary Road. It's the He reunites with Kate Winslet and Kathy Bates. It's directed by Sam Mendes, who just directed 1917. This movie is so good. So good about a couple breaking apart and thinking that everything's going to be fixed if they move to Paris. This movie is soul-crushing. It's that good. Leo is all-time great in this movie, along with Kate Winslet. You might think Titanic is their best movie together, I would argue their best movie together is Revolutionary Road, because it is revolutionary in how good it is. And then we all kind of agree he should have won an Oscar for what he did in Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, that's his most entertaining movie. That's his most rewatchable movie. Jonah Hill's great in that. There's Matthew McConaughey's really great in that. But that, again, is another Leonardo DiCaprio kind of performance. And it's his best movie with Martin Scorsese. I mean, this collaboration started with Gangs of New York, really good. The Aviator, really good. The Departed, great. Shutter Island is great, despite a lot of people not thinking it's very good. Then you have Wolf of Wall Street. Those five movies are so good. And yes, it's that collaboration that most people think of when they think of Leonardo DiCaprio. But I think overall, it's his willingness to work with great directors outside of Scorsese even. Let's see. Catch Me If You Can, Steven Spielberg, Titanic, James Cameron, Gangs of New York, Scorsese, Aviator, Scorsese, The Departed, Scorsese, Shutter Island, Scorsese, Revolutionary Road, Sam Mendes, Inception, Christopher Nolan, Wolf of Wall Street, Back to Scorsese, The Revenant, Inaratu, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this year he works with Quentin Tarantino. Leonardo DiCaprio is working with the very best filmmakers. He is taking chances and working with the best directors. You might say that's not risky. That's not what he should be doing. I think it's absolutely what he should be doing because he has the power to greenlight any movie. He can make anyone's movie, but he's working with the best directors of our time. And I think it's working beautifully well for his career. Because let's be honest, there are only two ways to get people to the screens today. 
make a franchise movie or be in movies directed by the best directors. Be in a movie like Inception. Inception feels like Leonardo DiCaprio's best blockbuster movie. He picked Christopher Nolan. He's like, I'll be in your movie. It's not going to be Batman. We're going to make a tentpole movie that everyone's going to go see. And I don't have to play this character for years and years to come. That is a brilliant move to me. That was his only choices. Leonardo DiCaprio is a movie star because of his movie stardom, but also because of who he's working with and when he's working with them. I mean, to make it, to make the movie The Revenant with Inaratu after he made Birdman is another brilliant move. Again, Revolutionary Road with Sam Mendes after that, Titanic with James Cameron. Leonardo DiCaprio is being calculated because it's the only way to get eyes on the screen, to get people to the movies, is to be in the movies directed by the best directors or to be Batman or Superman. And surely that's a waste of Leonardo DiCaprio's time is to be a superhero. I think he's done the right move here. Be in the best movies made by the best directors. Because I think Leo had a choice to be a star or to be a great actor. And I think he's picked to be a great actor because you can see signs of him being great in what's Eden Gilbert great, Romeo and Juliet and Titanic. Then he had to make a decision. Am I going to be a star because Titanic made him a star or am I going to be a great actor? And to just make a movie like Catch Me If You Can with Steven Spielberg is a sign that he wanted to be a great actor. And that is surely what he has become. And he's also one of the most un- underrated funny actors we got working at wolf of wall street he's hilarious in once upon a time in hollywood he's hilarious in i think he can work in any genre there is i also love leo's willingness to play kind of despicable characters like in inception he's kind of not a great guy in the departed he's kind of not a great guy although in the departed he's the one you most root for but in movies like revolutionary road shutter island he's kind of playing despicable character even once upon a time in hollywood you don't fully love that character and leonardo dicaprio is using your love of him to play despicable characters and it's a great play on because he's testing you to see how far you'll go with him as leonardo i think directors have used have made him play despicable characters brilliantly if you ask me I also find it interesting that for so long, Leo was the greatest living actor without an Oscar. Then he goes away for five years, and then he comes back with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I also think Leonardo DiCaprio is one of those actors who won his Oscar for the wrong movie. I enjoyed The Revenant. It's a really great performance. But how can you tell me he didn't win an Oscar for Catch Me If You Can, or for Gangs of New York, or The Aviator, or The Departed, or Blood Diamond, Shutter Island, Revolutionary Road, Inception, Wolf of Wall Street, once upon a time in hollywood all of those would have been better movies to give leonardo dicaprio his oscar for than for the revenant it felt like you were just giving it to him because you were tired of that annual well leonardo dicaprio should win an oscar it felt like the oscars were tired of talking about why they weren't giving leonardo dicaprio an oscar so guess what they did they gave him an oscar that is not his best by best performance by far I think his three best movies are Catch Me If You Can, The Departed, and Wolf of Wall Street. I think these are full Leo movies. You do not know Leonardo DiCaprio, the movie star, if you have not seen those movies in particular. They are all great performances, along with Revolutionary Road. Those are his best performances in my book. 
But the real reason he is thought to be one of the best actors of our time is because of how many good movies he's in. This is a list of movies you need to see if you're a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio. What's Eden Gilbert Rape? Romeo and Juliet, Titanic, Catch Me If You Can, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, The Departed, Blood Diamond, Shutter Island, Revolutionary Road, Inception, Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Watch this man act because there might not be that many more great performances he could lend. I mean, we might be running out of really great Leonardo DiCaprio performances, although I wouldn't rule him out to having a great late resurgence of his career. Like, he's that type of guy that could be acting so great well into his 60s or 70s. I mean, this is this has been a great run of Leo movies. I don't think we've seen the end of him as a great movie star because I think he is a better actor than he is a star. And that's the best compliment I can give to Leonardo DiCaprio. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie The Two Popes. Here's a quick synopsis. Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, the Archbishop of Buenos Aires, travels to the Vatican City to visit with Pope Benedict to resign from his position. But the Pope will not allow it and has other plans for Bergoglio. This movie, which starts Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins is one of the most surprising movies of 2019. You don't know quite what you're going to get at any moment, but I think it delivers one of the best movies of 2019. And we have to start with Jonathan Price, who at 72 years old delivers the best performance of his career. For me, I knew him from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I knew him from an Adam Sandler movie. I had never thought of a Jonathan Price as a great actor until recently when I saw him in movies like The Wife and the Don Quixote movie directed by Terry Gilliam. But this just brings Jonathan Price to a next level star. I mean, this is really the... A great performance. I would not be surprised if Jonathan Price was nominated for an Oscar for his performance in The Two Popes. I mean, he's playing somebody who does not think he's deserving to be Pope, but clearly everyone loves and respects him. I just think it's like a conflict of like his self-interest. He doesn't think he's worthy of being Pope, but he still wants to help his religion as best as he can. But in the end, he decides, yeah, I think I should be the Pope. Then you have Sir Anthony Hopkins, who is playing Pope Benedict, and is great in the movie. It's a reminder of that guy from Hannibal Lecter, who is a great actor. I mean, we become so used to Anthony Hopkins playing Odin, father of Thor, master of the universe or whatever in Marvel movies, and showing up for 15 minutes and barely acting. And for him to come back into a movie like this, it's a reminder of how good Anthony Hopkins is as an actor, and why he's an Oscar-winning actor, and why he's knighted, and why he's one of the best actors of all time, basically. I mean, again, from my generation, he's been Odin for so long, you kind of forget how good an actor Sir Anthony Hopkins really is. And this is a reminder that we so desperately need this again. He should be nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars. It's it's a really great performance by Anthony Hopkins. He's playing a man who is tired of being Pope because of all the people who are down on him. I mean, I don't think he's like, I'm wrong here. He's kind of unwilling to say how wrong he is about things. But he's also willing to admit there are a lot of people here who are not liking what I'm doing right now. I want to talk about the screenwriter of this movie, Anthony McCartan. You might not know his name, but he is on quite a run. He wrote the movie The Theory of Everything, which starred Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. He wrote The Darkest Hour, which Gary Oldman won an Oscar for. He wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, which Rami Malek won an Oscar for. This is quite a string of movies for this screenwriter. He is making compelling biopics about real people. I mean, all of these movies are about 
about real people. The fact that the same guy wrote a movie about Freddie Mercury is the same guy who wrote a movie about Stephen Hawking is the same guy who wrote a movie about two popes. That says a lot about how good he is as a screenwriter and the mass audience these movies are getting and how many Oscar winners are coming from this movie. The Theory of Everything. Eddie Redmayne won an Oscar. The Darkest Hour. Gary Oldman won an Oscar. Rami Malek won an Oscar for playing Freddie Mercury. That just shows how good this guy is at writing real people and making them entertaining characters for film. He is one of the best screenwriters alive. There is no doubt about that. I also think he's making movies about these public figures that we know a lot about, like Winston Churchill and Freddie Mercury, and showing the flaws of these people. Like, he really showed the flaws of Freddie Mercury. No, he really didn't get into the drugness of it all. But he did get into how his bandmates felt apart from Freddie Mercury, how Freddie Mercury separated himself from the band and became a lonely guy. Like, that is the dark side of that movie in Bohemian Rhapsody. In this movie, he's showing the weakness or the flaws of Pope Benedict not being able to see his ways, but knowing that something has to change and somebody else has to go through that change, that he can no longer be the Pope. Like, I think there's there's something that makes these movies all similar, even though they're vastly different and about different people. I think show making movies about real people but showing their flaws. One thing I found fascinating about this movie is they made a movie about two people who are deeply religious yet go about it in different ways and have opposite viewpoints of where the religion was and where it should be going. I mean, we think of they're all under one umbrella, the Catholic Church, and it's all the same and they're all the same viewpoints and they must all be the same like they're minions of their religion. But no, these are two people who think complete opposites about religion, how they got to religion, why they're still in religion, and where religion should be going. I mean, Jorge Bergoglio is completely opposite from where Pope Benedict is, but yet Pope Benedict thinks Bergoglio should be the new Pope because he can see that religion is going in a different direction. Like, the Mass is headed towards where Bergoglio is, and Benedict is where the Mass used to be. Like, there's a clear separation of these two people, even though they both believe in faith. They just believe in the most opposite way ever. I think it kind of shows the political side of religion. Like, we think of that same way with Republicans. Like, all Republicans must be the same. All Catholics must be the same. No. These two people are two people who were and will be the Pope, but yet they have complete different viewpoints on religion. Yes, they believe in the same things, but they also go about it in completely different ways. Like, there are moments where Jorge Bergoglio is like, no, I don't want to wear that. I'm going to be the Pope that I want to be. I'm the Pope. You can't tell me what to do, where Pope Benedict was like straightforward, going through the, not going through the charade, not the charade, but going through what it's like to be the Pope. And Bergoglio was kind of like making fun of what being the Pope is really all about. And that's where the humor comes from this movie is Bergoglio being like, why would I do that? I'm the Pope. I'm not going to go through this dance just so that you can be, I can be the symbolic Pope. Like he wanted to really make a difference here. Another thing I think this movie demonstrates is being the Pope in modern times is not easy because in the old days there would not have been news coverage about the Pope. There wouldn't have been as much security about the Pope. Like you could feel the pain of Pope Benedict going through. He was probably more sick of being the actual Pope than he was of his own being in charge of his religion. Like I, I think the movie gives you the sense that if there was no media 
media coverage of everything, he would still be the Pope. But because every single day people care about where he is and the news coverage around him, and even that part about the election being coverage, and when the smoke comes, that's when we have our new Pope. I think the celebrity of being the Pope, probably something neither of these two men want. They want to be about religion, and like the media is trying to make it about something else. It's like turning religion into a reality show the same way we turn politics into a reality show. That's what society is doing nowadays with the media, is turning religion, turning politics into like this sideshow reality show. I mean, in this movie, you have Jorge Bergoglio, who's going to become the Pope, is a guy who's about to retire because he doesn't like the direction of where the church is going. And in the end, he ends up being the Pope. Like, I think that's a bonkers story. And I think this movie really goes into the depth of like where the issues of the Catholic Church. It's not in your face about religion. And also it has this weird comedic tone at times, like the interactions between Jonathan Price's character and Sir Anthony Hopkins' character are miraculous. I think they have insane amount of chemistry. Really one of the best duos in movies. I mean, these two carry this movie forward. There's no really other interesting characters in this movie. It's all about Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price, and they deliver not career best for Jonathan Price and one of the best for Sir Anthony Hopkins. The visuals in this movie are also stupendous. You get to see the Vatican City. You get to see Rome. I mean, you get to see these larger-than-life characters interact in these plays. I mean, there's a moment where the Pope interacts with fans, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's the Pope. Like, he is bigger than life to these people. I think you forget that when you're not in it. Like, I don't understand the importance of the Pope the same way I understand the importance of the present. But seeing this movie, you kind of understand how big the Pope is to these people. He, They are religious followers who believe in this guy's power and belief system like i just think that was something i was staggered by i mean the, just the visual element of it all though the scenery of it this is one of the best movies of the year because of how great it looks i think the most surprising thing about the two popes is how entertaining it really is like if i told you i was going to make a movie about two popes and all they do is talk and all they do is walk around you'd be like that would be so dull that would be so boring what a way to waste two hours but if you actually watch it it's endless fun there's comedic there's great performances by jonathan price and sir anthony hopkins it just delivers in every moment and the conversations they are having are so real you can feel the anger pope benedict has towards bergoglio in the beginning of the movie like that election scene is really all-time great stuff from those two actors and then later on he he wants to retire and he keeps giving him the note and pope benedict is like i'm not accepting this note until we really talk about and then when they really talk about the issues pope benedict is taken aback by his viewpoints and then they're like the religious side of it and how they decide that bergoglio should be the next pope and even the flashback sequences of bergoglio's life are really interesting i mean you go to buenos aires you see why this character doesn't believe he should be the pope i thought those were some powerful moments this really was one of the most surprisingly good movies I've seen this year because you, you would, again, you would be like, oh, a movie about two popes, all they do is talk, 
all they do is talk about religion, not a subject I'm always fascinated by. But again, the way they talk about it is entertaining and the weird comedic tone. I mean, they eat pizza, which is really not something you would think two popes would do. But again, it's so interesting that Bergoglio is bringing about change to a guy, Pope Benedict, who is in like his 80s at this point. And and the conversation where they have where you cannot give up the Pope position is one of the best conversations that have been had in a film this year. He is like, this is going to be a disgrace. You have to die as the Pope the same way Jesus died for us. That was one of the most powerful scenes in movies this year. And Pope Benedict's reaction to that is, I will do more harm if I stay the Pope. I mean, that was the best line given by Sir Anthony Hopkins. That is the best line in this movie. I will do more harm to the church if I stay the Pope. There is real power in that line because he knows his way is not going to change things that need to be changed and he knows Bergoglio is the right man to be the Pope. I mean that is a powerful moment if there ever uh, was one in films this year. I highly recommend you go out and you check out the two Popes. It will surprise you. You'll laugh. You'll have a good time and you'll enjoy the all-time great performances by Jonathan Price and Sir Anthony Hopkins. I cannot, I cannot have enough good things to say about the two popes check out this movie thanks for listening to this edition of pop culture spotlight i'm cameron mckinney there will be a new episode of the podcast every thursday on apple Podcasts and itunes this week i put the spotlight on actor leonardo dicaprio in the movie the two popes next week i'm putting the spotlight on actress amy adams in the movie her smell starring elizabeth moss tune into that and please rate review and subscribe 